This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 20th, the Adventures in Babysitting edition. I'm Gabriel Roth. I'm an editor at Slate, and I'm the father of Eliza, who is six, and Leo, who is three. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, a journalist and podcaster in New Hampshire. I am the mother of Henry, who is almost 16, Teddy, who is 14, and a stepdaughter, Lily, who is 17. And I am Carvel Wallace, a writer and editor out in Oakland, California, and I am the father of Georgia, who is 11, and Ezra, who is 14. This week, we have a call from a dad with a highly unusual babysitting problem. Uh, We're going to address that, and from there, we're going to go into a discussion of the teens and young adults, many of them entirely untrained, who, with whom we entrust our children's lives whenever we want to go see a movie. And in Slate Plus, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, heightened drama uh, and anxiety of putting your child on an airplane. Okay, time for triumphs and fails. Rebecca, you want to go? Yeah, I've got a fail this week. My fail is an easy one. It is that I had boys. Um, and it turns <laughs> out that comes into play when your kids are about to start driving and you call for insurance quotes uh, as they are approaching getting their license. So I'm going to give you the real number so you have some perspective here. Henry will complete driver's ed in a few weeks. He'll get his license, I'm guessing, right away because he's a really great driver. He can't wait to get his license, and he's been practicing for a really long time, so he's, like, good to go. Uh, car insurance rates are actually not so bad here in New Hampshire. My husband and I pay about two grand for our uh, three cars now we have because Henry also has a car queued up ready to go for him. And so far, the lowest quote I have gotten for car insurance because my child is a boy is $4,700, adding $2,700 to our $2,000 insurance bill. And apparently, if he were a girl, it would be something like $1,000 less than that. I'm sure there are statistical reasons why it is the way that it is. I'm not going to say it's like sexist bullshit like I normally would. I go straight there. But um, (laughs) 
man, did I fail in having boys when it comes to the expense of insuring them as drivers. And I will just say, if anyone knows a better way to do this, just contact me through the Facebook page. I'd love to hear it. I've got a really great insurance broker, and she says this is just the way that it is. So um, that's my fail this week, is that I had boys. Not only did I have one, I had two. So um, that's going to be, I can't even imagine what the insurance bill will be in two years' time. Now, caveat, Henry does work a lot. He is going to be paying for some, if not all, of his own insurance. I don't know if he can actually pay for it all, given how expensive it's going to be, but um it's a thing, man, insuring boy drivers. It's expensive as hell. Is this like have the men's rights assholes made this into an issue? <laughs> yeah. Like Where? is this a political thing? I would imagine they are this sleeping be, on this issue. This would be just the kind of thing that I you, you would you're gonna hear about like on Twitter from horrible, Reddit, horrible huh? people. And, yeah, yeah. This there's gotta be some like horrible <laughs> red pill Reddit thread about this issue somewhere. Yeah, go for it. I'll I'll see if I can dig that up. But, this um, is gonna know. be the thing that radicalizes you. This is gonna be <laughs> your gonna red that, pill moment. Yeah. I was gonna say they, they would love to have you, Rebecca. I mean, you could lead this movement. You'd be the face of MRAs. You could be the new based mom or whatever they call that person. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me to get all those emails. I really appreciate it. (laughs) If you have any strong feelings about gender discrimination in the insurance market, email them to RebeccaLavoy at gmail.com. That was a guess, but uh, I bet I'm right. Reddit slash you slash RebLavoy, which is my Reddit handle, by the way. (laughs) There you go. Wow. All right, Carvel, triumph or fail? Oh man, this is a fail. This is a fail that goes layers deep for me. So, a little background: when I was growing up, one of the things that was that I struggled with a lot. I had a lot of like issues growing up. Some of them were internal, some of them were external. I think I've talked before on the on the show about how my mother and I were homeless for a year, and I moved from family to family, and I had a lot of stuff going on when I was a kid, and. Um, I was super insecure and very sensitive, but the one thing I was always really good at is that I was like smart. And once I got into a situation where I got identified as smart, then I was like, okay, this is my thing, like honors classes and like math clubs and so on and so forth. And so the one thing that I always struggled with though was that I was smart, but I always made careless errors because I was a space cadet. I would just sit in class and just think about stories and movies and, you know, I was just that kid, right? And so um, it always seemed to hit me really hard whenever I I would, like, do really well in a test, but then I would still get a low grade because I would forget to carry the one or forget to, like, you know, factor the three or whatever. And it always happened in math. And I got a lot of shit for this, both from teachers and also even at home, I got a lot of shit for this. It was something I always felt I wasn't good enough at. It was like a personal failure. And so now we fast forward to myself as an adult. One of the things about being an adult is that you're beyond allegedly all of your childhood insecurities, allegedly, because you're like, screw it. I operate in my own terms. I make money. I do what I do. I run my life. Like, I'm fine. No no specter of ghosts from third grade is going to come and get me now. Except this thing about making careless errors always stresses me out a little bit. So as some people, as as uh, I've put on Facebook, which some people have seen, I put my child on a plane this past week, my oldest son, my 14-year-old, to go back east to visit my dad and my family in Washington, D.C. And uh, I booked the flight uh, maybe four weeks ago. And in that session, I booked a number of flights. I had some work trips to take. I had one like I'm taking my daughter on a trip later this summer. I booked that flight. So I had sat down and did one big flight booking session. And... Um, so I booked the, the flight. I sent the itinerary to my dad, to his, to my son's mom, to my son. Everyone got it. We're all good. 
a day before <laughs> he used to get on the plane, he and I are having some quality last minute time. He's very nervous about going. And then he says, man, dad, I can't believe you're sending me out there for two weeks. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you're sending me out there for two weeks. You told me it was going to be a week, but it's two weeks. And I'm like, wait, what? And then he goes, yeah, like Georgia. I didn't even notice it. Georgia like noticed it and was like making fun of me. Like, ah, dad's getting rid of you for two weeks, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, huh. And we're standing in line at the movies at this point. So I'm like, well, you know, I just really want you to connect with my family. And then I surreptitiously take out my phone. And it turns out that I accidentally booked him for a two-week flight, a two-week trip when I meant to book it for a one-week trip. So he was supposed to leave on Monday and come back on Saturday, and he left on Monday, and then I booked him to come back the next Saturday. And everyone knew, because I sent the itinerary to my dad right away, so he was, my dad was with it, like, great, like, this weekend we're going to do this, and then take the other kids, and he'll meet his cousins. But I was the only person who didn't know (laughs) that I had sent my son away for two weeks. Did you you tell him, or did you try to fake it? I definitely weighed the pros and cons standing in line for War for the Planet of the Apes. And I just said, no, nah, I'm going to be honest with the kid. And I was like, huh, I actually didn't know that. I meant to do this on this this day. And I guess I just hit the wrong day on the calendar. And he was like, well, it's two weeks now. You know, and then I and then we had to talk about it. Then I like said to his mother, like, yeah, it was a mistake. I didn't know. And she she was like. When the three of us were together, she was like, well, it's all good news, you know, whatever, like more time with your family. And then later when we were alone, she was like, did you really <laughs> accidentally send our son away? <laughs> and I was like, eh, eh, like, you know, like shrug emoji. So um, it's all going to work out. It's fine. He got there. He's having a great time. We'll, I, we'll talk more about that in the Slate Plus section. But it was a tremendous fail. And it really brought up this whole thing of like, this part, this inner voice that's like, ah, you're always going to fuck everything up. Like, no matter what you do, no matter how good your life is going, you're always going to find some stupid logistical way to forget to carry the one, and then you're a loser. And that's like my inner monologue. And so this triggered that. So uh, it was a failure, but I also have learned that, you know, sometimes things happen and whatever they turn out to be will be fine. And I feel like this is what it is now. I wasn't going to pay another 400 or whatever to change the flight. So... <laughs> Guess what, son? You're out there for two weeks. <laughs> like, get comfortable. <laughs> Did he, like, gloat about it? Like, uh-huh, Dad, you fucked up. <laughs> You're so dumb. I'm not the only one who makes dumb mistakes. You do, too? You know, it's funny. I don't know that he he didn't do that externally. He may have done that internally. But um, I think it's probably good that I, over the last six months, have begun to come down off my high horse in general about... Because, like, one of the things about when you're when, – when people – when you have an insecurity about your own childhood, it's very easy to then, once you're in control of another child, to try and force them to not have that problem and to obsess over it. And, yeah, he's a little bit of a space cadet too and he will do things like leave his stuff places and forget – you know. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, like, just like the hoodie budget in our house for him is like $1,000 a year because he <laughs> leaves hoodies everywhere. And so um, – and so – I, there was a period of, through like sixth through seventh grade where I was really hard on him about that stuff. And then he was like, Dad, I feel like you're always just pointing out what I do wrong. And that really got to me. And I was like, well, that's not what I'm trying to do as a parent. Let me back off. So I think it's good that I have come down off of my high horse a little bit lately. Uh, and so he didn't have a real cause to be like, ah, you're a fucking loser too. I mean, he just was like, he sort of took it in stride. I think he understood and got it. I like, I made an error. And uh 
And but I also was quickly like, this is also going to be your reality. Like, get used to it. And he didn't seem he's very um, well, he was on the show. So, you know, that he's like a thinker and he's also kind of an explorer. And I think that even though he had a lot of cultural nervousness about this trip, he also kind of tends to roll with the punches in a way that I find impressive. And so he just sort of rolled with it like it's going to be two weeks. All right, here we go. So. But a big old fail <laughs> for myself. Def- definitely hey, well, that's, in the that's F like call. two weeks where you don't have to buy a hoodie, though, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. I I have a triumph, although you know, you guys' triumph, you guys' fails were both very, very long term fails, right? Rebecca's fail was was sealed uh, when her children were were in utero when they were first conceived, yeah. even. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and good job, Rebecca. Yeah. Thanks, and Car- thanks. Well, and Carvel's fail goes back even further, back to his own childhood when the pattern <laughs> of forgetting to carry the one was established. Uh, yes. My triumph goes back to marrying someone who can like really organize the heck out of a birthday party. Because mm. claiming credit for for Leo's three-year-old birthday party would be bogus on my part. If I were to say, yeah, we had this great birthday party and he was so happy and everybody had a great time and he loved it and I triumphed, um, that would be um, appropriating credit from the person who actually organized the birthday party, which was uh, my wife. Um, I, I played an essential role because I'm in charge of the birthday cake and it was a very successful cake. Um, and I'm in charge of a lot of the like moving things from one room of the house to another and tidying up. And I think I did that adequately. Um, but really my triumph was marrying someone who knows like we're going to have a fire truck themed birthday party. We're going to get these fire truck decorations. We're going to arrange everything properly. We're going to invite the right number of people and it's not going to be too crowded and everybody's going to have a great time and he's going to turn three and he's going to be super happy about it. Uh, and he did. So good job me on, um, marrying someone, uh, and also, good job, me, on that cake because <laughs> – no, for real. I know like it's a really good bakery and like you call them up like two days in advance and you give them all the specifications and they make a terrific cake. And I, I sent them a picture of a fire truck and I had them put L-E-O on the cake in capital letters. And then he and I went together on that morning to get him out of the house so that she could be organizing, like setting up. He and I went to go pick up the cake and we got to the bakery. And I said, oh, hey, it's Gabriel Roth. I'm here to pick up the cake I ordered. And they bring it out in a box. And she says, do you want to look at it? Do you want to see it before you take it home? Um, and I said, yeah, sure. I, yeah. And, and so she opens it up and I show it to him. And it's a cake with a big fire truck and it has L-E-O on it. And he recognizes those letters. And I'm like, what's that on mm. the cake? And he says, it's a fire truck. And I said, and what does the word say on the cake? And he says, L-E-O. And I said, that's right. And he looks at me very seriously and says, I think we should get this one. (laughs) So I said, yeah, we'll get that one. All right. If you want that one, that's the one we're going to get. So. And then then you made sure he knew that you get 100% credit for the cake, right? (laughs) Mom did everything else. Do you like the cake that daddy found? What a great cake (laughs) that daddy found at the bakery with daddy. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Um, time now for announcements. I have a, uh, another Slate podcast 
to recommend. Um, this week, we're talking about Slate's Represent, uh, hosted by Aisha Harris. Every week, creative people join Aisha to talk about the way representation figures into the latest movies, TV shows, and cultural happenings. Um, parents who listen to this show will be especially interested in this week's episode of Represent, uh, in which they're talking about the Netflix show 13 Reasons Why, which has been problematic in all kinds of ways. talks about the representation of suicide and sexual assault among teens. It's a sort of uh, deep look at those issues uh, that if your kids are watching this show or if you've been drawn into this show, um, it's probably raised a lot of questions for you and Aisha and her guests are hashing that out on this podcast. If you enjoyed our discussion with Rabia Chowdhury last week on Mom and Dad are Fighting, Aisha's talking with Eamon Ismail to talk about his new Slate video series about being Muslim in America. Uh, you should check it out. Slate's represent, slate.com slash represent or wherever you get your podcasts. In Slate Plus this week, uh, as advertised, we're talking about Carvel putting his son Ezra on a plane, how that feels a pivotal moment in every parent's parenthood career. If you want to hear that segment, now is the time to join Slate Plus. You can go to slate.com slash app to download the new Slate iOS app and try Slate Plus for free for 90 days. You'll get that and other bonus segments from your favorite Slate podcasts. Uh, and one more request, which I will hand over to Rebecca. Would you do the honors? Yeah, we would like to ask you, if you listen to this show, if you enjoy this show, even a little, please leave a review for this show on your iTunes podcasts app because it makes a very big difference. It helps other listeners discover the show. It helps, I don't know, algorithmically, magically something with the whole Apple podcast thing. Keep the show in a place where other parents can find it, other non-parents who also love to listen. If you like the show, if you enjoy Gabe's dry witticisms, if you enjoy Carvel's zen sensibility, if you don't hate me when I'm a little bit inappropriate, leave a review for Mom and Dad are Fighting right there. If you have your iTunes podcast app open right now, just look right next to the show. Hit rate and review. Leave a star rating. Write a little something. It helps us out in a big way. And we really, really appreciate all the reviews that we've gotten since last week when we asked. And we appreciate in advance all the reviews that you will leave after hearing me ask you for more reviews. So thanks a lot for doing it. And um, just know it does make a difference. That was adorable. You just summed each of us up in one sentence. That was beautiful, well, Rebecca. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, moving on. We have a call from a listener named Tim. Hello, this is Tim. I'm the parent of two children, a daughter six and a son three. We'll call the son David since this call concerns him in some ways. My wife and I have two babysitters we use. An older woman who used to work at the daycare center where both of my children went and a girl who lives down the street. In the process of helping the older babysitter find a new full-time job, my wife learned that her email address is ilovedavid3535. My wife confirmed that, in fact, it did refer to our son, and I find myself pretty weirded out by this. My wife has kind of shrugged it off, and maybe that's the right attitude. I'm not sure. For me, I just assume not hire her as a babysitter again and just hire the girl down the street. But my wife feels more confident with the older woman and, as I said, doesn't seem to think this is as big a deal as I do. I don't know. If it was a teen girl, it might not be a big deal, but this is a grown woman. In any case, I was just curious what you guys thought. Thank you very much. Bye. Rebecca, would you <laughs> hire the babysitter whose email address... Uh, 
evokes her love for your three-year-old son. Yeah, it's weird. Um, And part of me, you know, we don't have 100% of the information, obviously. You never can with a voicemail. So part of me is like, maybe this is her email just for them. And she's just really good at marketing. And she, you know, created a custom Gmail address or whatever just for this family. Uh, Another part of me is like, no, even that's a little strange. Um, I don't know if this would affect my hiring her again. Gosh, I don't want to go first on this one. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit stumped. I think it's weird. And I there could be a million reasons why this woman has changed her or created an email address with their son's name on it. He's only three. I'm assuming she's had email for longer than three years, right? So this can't be like her lifelong email address. And he did confirm it was about his kid. I don't know. I'm throwing it back to you guys. Sorry, I'm a little stumped right now. I need to coalesce and like think with my own thinking here for a minute. <clears throat> yeah, this is definitely a dilemma. I mean, the 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 question the the first question is: Is it weird as hell that this person has done this? Yes. Uh, the mother saying it's no big deal puzzles me. I find it to be really weird and inappropriate and creepy and goofy and just like not great. I probably wouldn't hire the person back just based on the fact that the feeling was so uncomfortable. Um, I don't know that that's entirely correct, but that's probably the decision I would go with because like, why have your child babysat by someone that freaks you out? Like, why is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that there's there there are alternative explanations. There's other ways you can look at it. It could be this, it could be that. But the fact is that like when you the person babysitting your child freaks you out, then it's probably not best for you to continue bringing that person to babysit your child because then you'll just be in a constant state of freak out. And why? Why do that? Uh, so, yeah. Here's what I would try to keep in mind: old people are really weird about things like email. Like some old people, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to yeah. disparage old people. Some old people are great at email. Um, you can old, say my mom because it's true about my mom and she wouldn't mind. She wouldn't be able to find this podcast. Rebecca's so. mom is weird about email. <laughs> she is. My mom has basically figured <laughs> it out after like I had to explain to her some stuff, but she's basically got it. But if you like were an old person, let me put it a different way. It's not that they're weird about email. It's that they come to it with a whole different set of cultural right. references and cues right. from the ones there that we're go. used to. I got my That's first true. email address like in college uh, and then I got my first real one that I used like at a job. And so I learned about email in the course of like there are institutions that have like patterns for how they assign you like gabriel.roth at slate.com. That's my email. Feel free to email me. That's my email address. And like everybody in my work has that same pattern and that's how an email address should be formatted. And maybe yours is like Carvel underscore Wallace or maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe it's Lavoy, Rebecca all run together at whatever. But but right. there are patterns, and we sort of internalize these patterns, and that becomes normal to us. These are cultural norms, and they're, like, important hmm. and meaningful. But if you're an old person and you acquire an email address when you're not in the workforce, then y- y- 
all you know is you're just being asked to like type a phrase into one box for your email address and one box for your password. And now you're making up your email address. And you don't really know maybe that what you're doing is creating an identity that's going to follow you around in a whole set of interactions. All you think you're doing is making up a little slogan or phrase that's cute and that you can remember. So you put, I love David, because that's what you're thinking about. And then you put, um, you know, the name of your puppy for your password or like, Password one for your password because you know you'll remember it. And like, that's dumb. It's a bad email address. And then that's a terrible password and your security practices need work. But it, like, that's the way that these are the, that's how you wind up with an email address like that. And then you don't really think about it very much anymore because you're an old person and you don't give as much of a shit about how you're presenting yourself to the world. And and that must <laughs> right. be one of the nice things about being an old person is to get to go around <laughs> looking weird and having a goofy email address. <laughs> So, <laughs> wow, you've really like, first of all, you've thought about this a lot. But second, you're being really open to a lot of possibilities about facts that we don't have in evidence here. Like we don't know this is actually an old person. We just know it's an older person, older than their teen babysitter. Right. I yeah, think, I think we heard an older woman like hmm. who used to be. The, but yes, no, sure. It makes a difference. If this is like a person in their late 30s, then it's weirder than if it's a person <laughs> in their 70s. Um, right. I think the other thing we have to factor in is like, does, like, has Tim been creeped out by this babysitter before this? Like, is this the only creepy factor? Is this a a lovely, trustworthy babysitter who has this one weird, quirky email address? Or is this a person who you've never been quite sure where she's coming from and now she has I Love David in her email address and you wonder if, like, in her home there's a little shrine with pictures of David or something unpleasant like that? Yeah. We may need to go back to the tape here. Let's let's rewind. I actually kind of want to hear it again. I'm not going <laughs> to. <laughs> I I just want to say I am kind of surprised that none of you are like run for the fucking hills. No, I am. This I is am. our producer That's, Ben this Frisch. This is why I didn't want to go first because I kind of wanted someone to lay cover for me, and then <laughs> That's exactly how I was feeling. <laughs> You you've ad- you guys have addressed having expressed skepticism. I'm suggesting maybe we take a more trusting attitude. Now Rebecca can like take the hardcore like runaway. I mean, this position. is all bad. But anyway, go ahead. We should listen to the tape though. Hello, this is Tim. I'm the parent of two children, a daughter six and a son three. We'll call the son David since this call concerns him in some ways. My wife and I have two babysitters we use, an older woman who used to work at the daycare center where both of my children went, and a girl who lives down the street. In the process of helping the older babysitter find a new full-time job, my wife learned that her email address is ilovedavid3535. My wife confirmed that, in fact, it did refer to our son, and... I find myself pretty weirded out by this. My wife has kind of shrugged it off, and maybe that's the right attitude. I'm not sure. For me, I just assume not hire her as a babysitter again and just hire the girl down the street. But my wife feels more confident with the older woman and, as I said, doesn't seem to think this is as big a deal as I do. I don't know. If it was a teen girl, it might not be a big deal, but this is a grown woman. In any case, I was just curious what you guys thought. Thank you very much. I'll be honest, I didn't want to go first on this one because I wanted, I thought it was going to be like maybe you guys laying some cover for me because I I feel stronger hearing it a second time that this is weird. And it's especially weird given that this woman worked at a daycare center before because you would think 
that kind of appropriate boundaries around kids who aren't yours or aren't your nephew or niece or aren't your, you know, related to you in some way, that those appropriate boundaries and how to communicate those boundaries would be something she would know how to do professionally. So I think it's weird. And I agree with Carvel that if something weird about your babysitter makes you feel weird, then maybe it is time to look elsewhere. Think about how much trouble people get in when they don't trust their gut, you know, right? And the other thing that's weird about this situation is that it's not something, the wife obviously already addressed it. She already said, hey, is that our son's name and your email address? No one said yes. So you can't address it again. It's already come up, you know? You've sort of missed your opportunity to say, hey, that makes us uncomfortable because X, Y, or you've kind of missed the boat. So, well, but what, what would you gain from saying, like, you can, if you say, like, she could change her email address, does that help? No, no yeah, that's the I, thing. I, there's, there's no way to address there's it. There's nothing you, you can you do. Say, if you say, listen, yeah. it makes me uncomfortable that my son's name is a part of your email address, then to this person to whom this is normal, like, that comes off as weird. There's just no way out of this other than never hiring this person again. So, yeah, I say run, cut bait, um, go with the teen. <laughs> Seriously. And I think yeah. it would also be strange if the teen had this email address. But I feel like you could talk about it with a teen in a way you can't talk about it with a grown-ass woman. Right. And the other thing is that this person worked at a preschool. So like you said about the boundaries, yes. But then there's also, I assume, a bunch of other kids at that school who aren't named David. So why is your email address just David? Like why? That's that's where I'm like, yeah, that that's not good. That doesn't that doesn't sit well. Uh, and they also we also learned in the second listening that this this was in the process of helping this person find a job. So it wasn't like, hey, I'm setting up an email account so that I can communicate with you about my care of David. The email address is I love David 333 whatever. It's like this is my email address. Help me with my resume. Here's my email address. It's I I love your son. com or whatever. And to me I just yeah, there are alternate explanations for that. Uh, I, I think there's validity to Gabe's theory that like the way that different generations understand how to make an email handle and what it means and what the cultural and social implications of such a handle are differs. I get that. But that would make me so uncomfortable that just the mere amount of discomfort would be enough that I'd be like, yeah, I think we're going to go in a different direction, actually. <laughs> I think it's kind of sweet that she loves David that much that she wants to put it in her email address. That's what you want in a babysitter is someone who really, really cares no, about your no, kid. She loves no. David so much. Her fondness for David is such that it's the main thing she wants to advertise to the world. And I think that is both lovely and also, yes, slightly creepy. Super creepy. I mean, it's, you have to, yeah, it's, it's creepy. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, the problem, okay, the reason, uh, no, the the problem is that if if the alternate explanation is just like, this is a really nice, sweet old lady who just really loves David, then the advice to cut bait and run feels cruel and horrible. And that's the problem with this scenario is that it could be, this is just a nice, sweet old lady who doesn't really understand how email handles work, or this is a really creepy person and you should move your family as quickly as possible. The fact that it could be one or the other of those is what makes this a very difficult question to answer. But as a parent, when faced with one or the other, I'm probably going to err on the side of being too cautious when it comes to babysitting for reasons that I think should be obvious. Carvel, I have to say, this reminds me of you a little bit. I don't know if you remember this, but when we first started podcasting together, I had to point out to you that your email had a quirk to it. 
where in that little <laughs> box where you fill out like the nickname of your email account, you'd written in all caps like Carvel at Gmail. So all of your emails came in that way. And you are texting. Yeah, I, so <laughs> it is an easy mistake to make, but this one just seems deliberate to me. It doesn't seem like a mistake. Yeah. It seems deliberate. Yeah. She has a name that like she couldn't get her real name. Like she has a name like <laughs> oh my Sue God. Jones there are so or something many other like that. things you could do. She couldn't get like, like Sue Jones at gmail.com. So oh she went with, and they suggested like Sue Jones nineteen thirty six or something like that. And she's like, No, that's yeah. too weird. I want something that really that's reflects too weird, my but interests. I, but what are what are my that, interests? My interests wait. are David. I love David so much. I love him. He's wonderful. Wait, the year nineteen thirty six was too weird, but I'm obsessed with this one child in my it, history. It reflects gmail.com isn't too weird maybe the suggestion on the sign up form said something like consider um, <laughs> mentioning one of your interests or hobbies and maybe it her just... main interest is this lovely beautiful three year old boy that she takes care of who, I think who it's among amazing. us I think it's who amazing among us hasn't had everyone among us Gabe <laughs> Who among us hasn't put our client's child's name in our email handle? That's what I would like to know. Who, well, who can you. say that it's they've never in a moment a of weakness? Times, that's for sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it is a little, I think it's amazing though and miraculous and fun that you are being so unbelievably positive about this whole thing. I think it's really funny that like this is the thing on which you are on the pro side and I am on the con side because... You know, I, I just think it's fun. And I, I, I just I think you need a babysitter who loves your kids. Next. I, I, I think we're going to, okay, let's move on to talking about babysitters in general. If I'm, if the, what I really uh, like when I, when we find a babysitter who like we trust and want to bring back and who the kids like and whatever, the, the, the main thing is, does that babysitter like kids? And does that babysitter like your kids? And kids can always tell. And parents can always tell, too. Like, you can sometimes see them trying to sort of bullshit you, but you know that, like, they don't really give a shit. Um, but when a babysitter, like, is like, oh, great, I get to come over and play with these kids for a few hours and get paid for it. What a great job. Then, like, that, you know that that's going to be a good relationship and that's going to be a babysitter that you're going to be glad that you hired and want to hire again. I don't know that you want it to go so far as to put the name in your in their email address, but you see where <laughs> I'm going with that. And I have had some babysitters whose relationships with us as the parents have really crossed into like the familial. You know, we had a long time um, uh, babysitter, Zach, he used to call himself our Manny. He actually worked part time where I work. And then his other job was, you know, watching the kids after school so I could, you know, work full time. And but before that, we had a long series of like long term high school kids that we would meet. You know, one of them, our, our, one of our first ones actually was a ski instructor at the place where my kids were learning to ski. And like the ski program there was like, drop them off in the morning, they feed them snacks, they take them out, and they basically spend the whole day with one teenager. And she approached us and said, hey, I really, I also babysit. Your kids are really fun. They told me that we live in the same neighborhood. She ended up being like a long-term babysitter for us. She babysat for us her entire high school career. And then when she came home and when she was in college and she'd come home from college, she'd also babysit for us. But she became so much a member of our family that there were a couple of weird things that happened. One of them, um, I don't think she'd mind at this point me telling the story because she's in her 20s. And I'm not saying her name anyway, but she got arrested once when she was in high school. She was at a party, um, which is not atypical in the town where we live. It's a very small town. It's kind of known as a high school party in the woods town, which 
I promise we'll have to address in a future episode. And her parents were away and um, she couldn't reach them. And so she called me to come pick her up at the police station when she'd been rounded up in the paddy wagon with all these other kids. And I guess the question that you might ask at that point was, did you keep hiring her after that? And the answer is yes, we we did keep hiring her after that. She was a smart enough kid to know like what you know, how to call adults that like knew her that could vouch for her. She wasn't drunk. She was just in this situation. And um, but yeah, when I tell that story now, a lot of people think that that's weird that I would then, you know, have her continue to be my babysitter, even though she'd been arrested. But that was only the first of many times that happened. Pretty much all but two of the babysitters we hired when my kids were little in our little town were arrested at some point during their tenure babysitting with us. But she was the only one who ever called us to actually get her out of the police station, which is charming slash dubious in its own way, I guess. And probably not the kind of thing that would happen in Brooklyn. I'm just guessing. I No, I think that's very nice. And I think like the the one of the, the sort of things that goes along with having a high school kid babysitting for you is that like you then have a sort of parental or, or in loco parentis type relationship with them and you hopefully can be like a benevolent adult in their lives who's not their parent or their teacher. Um, I think that sounds good to me. We have a, a great roster of babysitters. We There was one point where we were like having that problem of, oh, we can never find babysitters. We can't go out. And I like put my mind to it and did a bunch of research and asked for a bunch of referrals and tried out a bunch of babysitters and made it a project. And now we have a, this terrific main babysitter who's often available. And then we have a lot of great backup babysitters. And they're all lovely and the kids love them. And at the same time, the kids still know, like if we're going out and there's a babysitter, then um, the kids – still get mad about it because they know like oh you're doing something fun and we don't get to come like FOMO yeah what what they hate is not they love all the babysitters they love hanging out with the babysitters but they hate the idea of us having independent adult lives which I'm sorry but like go fuck yourselves kids (laughs) (laughs) he said it so I didn't have to (laughs) oh man (laughs) Yeah, we never, we actually never had, we didn't have a lot of babysitters for whatever reason. Partially it's because, well, when the kids were little, we would have friends do it. And I think we had a couple of paid babysitters, like the kid up the street, the kid upstairs kind of thing. Um, But then for a lot of our lives, we were involved in babysitting co-ops where like we would, uh, like other parents would take turns taking all the kids. And that was sort of the way we navigated those younger babysitting years. Um, And then as they got older, it just – I feel like we, we missed a, a maybe a key window from like ages nine when like my son was like nine, daughter seven to like my son being like 12, daughter 10. I feel like we probably could have used more babies, more active like roster babysitting then. But it always seemed a little bit on the cusp of like do they really need a babysitter at this point? Like do – you know what I mean? It just – we just kind of – and now they're, it's like someone trying to babysit my 14-year-old son seems absurd. He, he's <laughs> taller than everyone in the entire city of Oakland. So, it just, you know, so like it's, I feel like the window's closed for us. Um, I, I, looking back, I feel like we didn't take as much advantage of like babysitting stuff as we could have, which means we didn't have weird things happen because I was with a friend actually the other day who was her and her daughter. She has a daughter who's 16 now. And they were going through the list of all the crazy babysitters they've had and all the crazy babysitting things. And like this one who took us here and this one who like brought her boyfriend over and then locked us out of the room and all this stuff. And I was like, like, I'm so glad that we didn't 
you know, it's a dicey proposition, the babysitting thing. I mean, most times it's good, but when it's not good, it's like really bad. And it's a very uncomfortable feeling to know that your kids have <clears throat> maybe experienced something that you don't want them to. And, you know, it's it's like it's it's hard. So I just feel like I feel like it's better safe. It's a better safe than sorry situation. Although I know with a lot of other things, I mean, that's a little bit not in line with how I think of a lot of other parenting things. Cause a lot of other stuff I'm like, eh, take a risk. Hopefully it all works out. But if it doesn't, <laughs> eh. you know, but with babysitting, I'm, I'm for some reason, a lot more, um, I'm a, I, I like, I'm a lot more uh, risk averse. than When I was a average. kid, when I was a kid, we would get left with babysitters sometimes. And, and one time we, we, we had a babysitter whose name was Johnny. He was like an older teenage boy. His name was Johnny. And I don't quite remember the specifics, but he was so cool. And he was so fun. And he came over and babysat for us. And I do not remember what we did, but it was awesome. And forever after that, I was like, oh, my God, please go out so Johnny can come over and babysit for us again. And whenever my parents would be like, oh, we're going out on the weekend. You're going to be with a babysitter. And I'd be like, oh, can we have Johnny? Can we have Johnny? Please, can we have Johnny? Both me and my brother. We would both do that. And he didn't come back. We never had him as a babysitter again. And we, every time, for years, we would keep asking, and yeah, my mom would say, yeah, maybe, okay, yeah, I'll see. We'll look into it. And then it would always be a different babysitter. Very nice babysitters. I liked them. But Johnny was always this babysitter who was like the mythical, magnificent, <laughs> fantastic babysitter who we could never, he, he, he would never come back. And Eventually, like when I was old enough not to need a babysitter anymore, at some point I said to my mom, we had that one great babysitter that one time named Johnny. What, <laughs> what was the deal with him? And she said, oh, a week after he came and babysat for you guys, he had a breakdown and attacked his mother with a kitchen knife. And after that, he was hospitalized. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow. You really know how to deliver a punchline, Gabe. That, that I, was, I thought this was going with was like we found done. a six pack of ours that he drank, you know, empty bottles in the kitchen. And he was cool because he was drunk the whole time he was with you guys. I didn't. That was. My mom wow. is really good at like faking it because literally, like every other weekend for years, I would bring up what must have been kind of a terrifying <laughs> thought for her of leaving us in the charge of this Ooh. teenage schizophrenic. Uh, and and I never like she totally faked me out like I never had any sense that there was any particular reason other than like oh well he, he just wasn't available or something like that hmm. see that you just like sold everyone on that idea like it's not important to be truthful 100% of the time that's one of those instances where with your I, kids even you should I be truthful think, maybe 40% of the yeah, time yeah even maximum. I think <laughs> transparency would not have been the best uh, <laughs> the, the best way to go there wow <laughs> wow all right said it for babysitters. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. And see. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. 
Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time now to do recommendations. Carvel, do you have anything to recommend? I do. Uh, if your kids are of Instagram age, which seems to be younger and younger these days, uh, I would recommend the National Geographic Instagram account. You don't even have to have an Instagram account to view it. The National Geographic Nat Geo Instagram account is just tremendous. Everything they post is amazing. And the thing that really made us, made me want to recommend it this week, even though I look at it all the time, was a couple of days ago they posted a time-lapse photography of a, a, someone shot a giant red moon rising over Boston. And he used this incredibly complex lens setup to get this beautiful sort of time-lapse video of the moon rising over a lighthouse in, in Massachusetts. And it's just one of the most tremendous things I've ever seen. And there's a little article about how it's written. Uh, I'm sorry, about how it was, how he did it. And it just reminded me, you know, kids don't read National Geographic anymore. And I remember when I was a kid, like in reading class or whatever, they would always have them in school. And whenever I, we had free time or I didn't want to pay attention to what the teacher was saying, I would just like look through the pages of these magazines and see all these like animals and people and mountains and natural wonders and just be transfixed. And, you know, I feel like our kids don't have that same experience, but something about the National Geographic uh, Instagram brings a little bit of that feeling of discovery back, that feeling like, I don't know what I'm going to find, but it's going to be awesome. And it's I'm going to be like, whoa. And so uh, my kids love it. I love it. I send them, I DM them stuff from the Nat Geo Instagram all the time. Of course, they never respond. But I just like the fact that I can send them be like, dude, look at this cool like tiger or whatever. And uh, it's just amazing. So I recommend National Geographic. Instagram. Nice. Uh, I'm going to recommend a series of graphic novels called Lumberjanes, uh, with which Eliza has been absolutely obsessed. Um, this is a fantasy series about a, a sort of Girl Scout troop. Um, the books tell you all about the different badges that they earn at their lodge in the woods. It's all set during one summer um, during a like sleepaway camp. Uh, but the camp is populated by fantasy monsters of all kinds, some of which are like a little scary, although not too scary, and some of which are friendly and adorable. Um, we just got the fifth volume and it's got mermaids on the cover, so she's especially excited about that one. Um, each of the campers is like characterized in a funny and and cute way. Um, this is probably a series for kids who are maybe seven or eight through 11 or 12. Um, but it's a really cool girl oriented fantasy adventure series called Lumberjanes. I'm also going to go analog for my recommendation this week. I'm going to recommend the outstanding uh, jigsaw puzzles made by the company White Mountain Puzzles. Um, these are, you can get them like in a thousand piece or 500 piece. I love the thousand piece ones. Even when my kids were little, you know, obviously past like picking up puzzle pieces and choking on them age. Um, we've always done one or two puzzles every summer, just sort of like in long, slow phases where we lay it out on a table. And, you know, sometimes after dinner, we sit for an hour and work on it together. Or someone could just sort of walk by and do a little bit on their own. Um, this does, we've found, require buying one of those like green mats that you can do the puzzle on and then like wrap it up when you're not doing it and, and put it back out so that, you know, if you need to use that table for dinner or doing some work or whatever, it has a second purpose. But 
The reason I love White Mountain puzzles in particular is because the themes are really great. They have a new one that I just bought called What I Did as a Kid. And they're like these collages of uh, period um, items. So the What I Did as a Kid one has like summer camp and like toys that were available like when people who were born in the 70s and 80s were kids. There's one with potato chip brands where it's just this collage of like a potato chip Rappers. There's one that is vintage TV shows. There's one that is, you know, new TV shows. And it's a really cool uh, giant collage of little pictures so that even when my kids were a lot younger and we were doing these really difficult puzzles, like one kid could decide to just work on like the James Kirk inside like the giant TV puzzle. And, you know, that was like his project. And the other kid would be working on like Lucy. He'd find the lips and be like, I'm going to do Lucy. So anyway, check out White Mountain Puzzles. You can buy them all kinds of places online. They're like 15, 16 bucks. And I found that for many, many years, they have like satisfied our puzzle doing uh, habits and kids of all ages. And my kids still, even as older teenagers, really, really enjoy doing them um, as a family. I have a puzzle question for you as somebody who doesn't do jigsaw puzzles, but is like slightly tempted at the idea of doing jigsaw puzzles. Do you look at the picture on the box when you're doing the puzzle? Yeah, you kind of have to because that's like your map for if you find a piece, you kind of know sort of where it goes by looking at the picture. And these with this brand of puzzle in particular, you actually kind of do. And and it's hard to explain unless you see it. But because it's done in collage form, there's no way to know where the Ruffles potato chip wrapper would go if you didn't look at the at the thing on the box. So, yeah, we usually have it propped up somewhere near the puzzle. Um, you know, I would pro tip, keep the puzzle out of view of your dogs because they will eat the pieces. And um, like I said, if you can put it on a table that's only for that, great. But who has a table they can give up for a whole summer just for puzzles? So, like, get that green thing that you can use to wrap them up. But it is fun just to leave it out for a few weeks at a time even, even if you don't have a lot of time to work on it. It is like a family project. And, um, yeah, it's cool. And you should try it, Gabe. I think I think you'd dig it. I look forward to doing this. Um, these are White Mountain Puzzles. We'll put White links to White Mountain Puzzles. Maybe I'll send you one. Oh, yeah, do it. Um, <laughs> we'll put links to that and to our other recommendations um, on our show page. Um, that's it for our show this week. Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Benjamin Frisch. If you have a question you would like us to handle, give us a call at 424-255-7833. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fighting. For Carvel Wallace and Rebecca Lavoy, I'm Gabriel Roth, and we'll be back next week. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.